think it's important that we establish a working definition for joy. Uh, like many words, I think joy is one that carries many different definitions, and people use joy to describe all sorts of things. Um, you might experience joy while drinking a hot cup of tea on a rainy morning. You might experience joy watching a young child master a new skill. Um, you might experience joy by spending time with people that you love. And I think all of those things are, are true definitions of joy. Um, yesterday, I was at an event where I was able to witness a bunch of children opening Christmas presents. And the looks on their faces, the things that they said as they opened these presents that they had hoped for, I mean, that, it was joy. I mean, the elation as these children were like, this is exactly what I wanted. Someone knew what I wanted, you know. And it's great the kids forget that a month ago they literally wrote down what they wanted. Um, but there was so much joy. And I thought, this is joy as they're experiencing it. And I think that type of joy, this extreme happiness, um, this gladness, that is in the Bible. And I think what we just experience in worship can be joy, right? And in the Bible, it talks about spontaneous shouts and dancing. And that kind of joy is definitely something that God gives us and calls us to experience. This morning, though, as we look at kind of a, a broader definition that the Bible gives of joy, we're going to look at some more nuanced definitions of what joy looks like and what joy can be. Um, in the New Bible Dictionary, we're going to have these, these definitions that are up here. It says that it, referring to joy, is a quality and not simply an emotion. It is grounded upon God himself and indeed derived from him. And then uh, in the Bible Project, they have this great video on joy, and it says, joy is an attitude God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of God's love and promise. So we're going to take a look this morning at kind of that more holistic joy, uh, keeping in mind that the spontaneous happiness joy is also, it's real, and it's true, and we get to experience it. But as we all know, Life does not always give us the circumstances of opening the present that you hoped for. Um, sometimes you are the child that didn't get the present, or the present that you opened is not what you wanted. And so we want to talk about how God calls us to, to experience joy even in those moments. Uh, I really appreciate that, that that definition of joy is possible, the one with the disappointment mixed in, uh, because I think it, it would be really difficult if we were called to be happy all the time. Um, we see even in the Bible that in Philippians 4, Paul tells the uh, church in Philippi to rejoice in the Lord always. And James says to consider it pure joy when you face trials of various kinds. And if we're thinking of that Christmas morning joy, that would be kind of ridiculous. And it would actually be kind of hurtful to say, experience this happy elation when all these horrible things are happening. And so I'm grateful that we have a, a more nuanced definition of joy that we can dig into. What does it mean to experience that kind of joy? Because to be happy all the time, um, it's, it's not healthy. It's not possible. Um, I know there's a term, this toxic positivity. That's what it can become, right? Like no matter what happens, you're supposed to smile and you're supposed to like be happy and you're supposed to be thankful. And Yes, there are ways to be thankful and to have a peace, but it's not this superficial happiness um, because life is just too hard for that. The kind of joy that we're talking about, it goes deeper. It's truer. It's more steadfast. 
It is based in a loving God, in the person of Jesus, and in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. This kind of joy, I think, is possible, and it can almost be reasonable uh, in those difficult circumstances. And it's available then to everyone, not just people that have protected and comfortable and happy lives. This joy can be available to those who are hurting, those who are broken. Um, life is hard. I don't have to tell you that, both personally, in our families, the people around us, on a global scale, tragedy and pain and sadness are happening every day. If we took time this morning to talk, um, we would all be in tears if we sh shared the stories of what's going on with ourselves. Um, just headlines, global headlines alone would do that. And so we want to recognize that that pain and suffering is real. I think if we live in denial of that, we do a disservice to reality. We do a disservice to the people that God has created us to be with complex emotions and with a capacity to love, with a capacity to have empathy, with a capacity to have compassion. And so we need to consider that all. We're going to read a pretty long passage here, so stick with me. Um, this is from Isaiah 35, and this is kind of giving some, some hope and promise for the people of Israel. Um, most biblical scholars agree that prophecies like this refer to a time that is coming soon after it was written, but also it can refer to a time uh, further in the future. So this is Isaiah 35. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. In that passage, there is so much. You see both the pain, the desert, the death, the mute, and then you see the dancing and the healing and the water gushing forth. And so this is hope and joy, the, the joy that comes with the promise of these things. Uh, when I was attending the, the church I was at before coming to One Life, we used a curriculum called True for our children's ministry. And they had this practice that once a quarter, we would have a remember and celebrate Sunday. And this was a time where we would pause with the children and we would remember what have we learned and what has God done in the last few months, and then we would celebrate. We would have food, we would play games, and this was based on the festivals that God called the Israelites to, to 
observe in the Old Testament, where you feast and you party and you remember. And I love this concept because we have short memories. I have a short memory. And it's much easier for me to focus on the negative things, on the things that are going wrong, on all the disappointments and the things that didn't work out. And so to pause and to acknowledge those things, but also say, what has God done? What have we learned? And then to celebrate. And so I've really tried to implement this in my own life because I think it grounds me and I, have, I can have current joy based on remembering the faithfulness of God in the past. And that doesn't mean that whatever my current situation is is going to work out perfectly. But when I remember, wait, God came through in this way. And often it's not what I wanted, right? Like, I really wanted this, but God provided this, and now I can see how he used that. And so that can bolster my faith, which can give me that deep joy in the hardship. And so I think that's a really important concept, and it, we need to stop. We need to pause. We need to remember that. I have a, a really good friend who embodies joy pretty much more than anyone else I know. And she uh, does this because of her constancy with God. As a young wife, she experienced the tragic loss of her husband. Uh, he actually drowned. And she was left to raise two young boys by herself. And as she has, has gone through life and the, the friendship that I have with her, she has one of the most enduring spirits and she has that somber kind of joy that will sit with you in the pain and will acknowledge what's happening. But then she has this infectious laughter and she feeds everyone within voice range of her, right? And so she knows what joy means, not because everything worked out in her life, not because she thinks it's going to work out in the future, but because she actually knows God. She knows the way that God has provided for her the way that he has met her. She has experienced his kindness and goodness in the midst of pain, in the midst of hardship. And so often when I think of what, what can this joy really look like? Because I am not that person. I, I think about the negative. I, I pretend to have a good attitude sometimes. But I, I don't feel like I'm there yet with that deep steadfastness. But this friend, I think, what would she respond? How would she respond to my situation? And I know, because she's done it before, that she genuinely is like, God's going to take care of you. And she can say that because she has seen that and in real deep, painful ways. And so I think what God calls us to is not the dismissive, everything happens for a reason, it's all going to be okay, but a true deep knowledge that God sees us, God knows us, and that he is going to be with us no matter what comes. In Psalm uh, 30, we read these, wor these, these words. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks forever. This is a, a message throughout the Psalms and, and, you know, the Bible as a whole. We don't say, I've never been sad or I won't be sad, but we say, you have turned this mourning. So we recognize there's mourning, there's grieving. But we realize that God can take that and turn it into joy. And I think it's really important, and I think this is something that our church does well, that it's okay to grieve. It's okay, it's okay to be mad. It's okay to question God. It's okay to be angry. We're not expected to just sit and say, whatever you say is great, and I'll just pretend I don't have emotions. We need to experience that fullness. But that, based in a relationship with God, leads 
to a place of being able to, I think, experience that joy. Jesus is hope and peace, as we've focused on specifically these last couple of weeks. And I believe that he is also our joy. When Jesus came um, in the form of a human, the announcement was made with joy. So we're going to read this passage from Luke that kind of fleshes that out. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. We've probably heard this verse a lot. It's kind of one of those classic Christmas verses and passages. But even in this verse, even in the reality of Jesus coming, we see this mixture of pain and joy. Uh, The incredibly inconvenient and long and dangerous journey that Mary and Joseph had to take um, uh, with these kids that I was with yesterday, we were talking about how far it is. And it's like from here to San Diego-ish, like, walking, you know, and um, obviously they didn't have like cell phones and gas stations and, you know, fast food restaurants. And so that journey in itself that, you know, we just say like she laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn and people envision this like spotlight, you know, like, ah, and there's like the baby peacefully. But like, you know, you really think about that. Like any of you that have children, you're trying to find a place for your kid or any of you that have been pregnant. And it's not just like, oh, just go to the manger. It's nice there, right? Like, That was stressful and difficult and straw and hay, it's dirty and it's prickly and there's animals and it smelled and it wasn't safe and it was probably cold and childbirth, right? I mean, those of you that have had children, it is not some like peaceful, wonderful, the angels are singing experience. And so there was pain, right? Even the shepherds, the people that the angel come to proclaim to, these are like the low end of society and the angels came to them to give this message. So we see this pain, this suffering. The people of Israel, Mary and Joseph themselves, are living in an occupied land. They are not well-off people. They are just struggling to survive. And yet, the announcement of Jesus' birth comes with this joy, this great news that will bring joy. And the promises that were given to Mary and Joseph, right? I have to think that they clung to those. I mean, God knew what he was doing by sending them those angels, right? Like, This is going to happen. I'm doing this. And that verse where it says, you know, Mary treasured these things in her heart. She had to cling to that because going on that journey, being pregnant and giving birth in a stable, you would have to think, okay, God, like I'm clinging to what you said because this does not make sense. If I was Mary, that's not how I would envision having the son of God, right? I'd kind of think like, well, I'm going to get some favors in this whole process. 
and it was hard. And then, even with the joy, what was Jesus' life? To suffer and die. That's, it's not some, like, he's going to come and gain power, and you're all going to, like, and then the people that followed Jesus, their promise was pain and suffering and persecution. And yet, there's this promise and this proclamation of joy. And so I think that we have to, to, to see that in, in, in life, but then in this specific story of Jesus coming to earth. I think to embody this joy, to be able to experience it, we have to rest in who God is. We have to know who he is and understand his, privilege, his promises. Um, I've had the privilege of caring for a lot of children in my life, and I was told early on as I was desperately trying to get an infant to go to sleep, like, the calmer you are, the calmer the baby's going to be, you know, and like, there's this peace. And I know it's, it's not that easy, but I've thought about that. This past week, I got to, to spend some time with some little ones again, and I, I had this vision as I am able to be more calm because it's not my child. I'm there helping out. I don't have a million things to do. I'm not super stressed that I could be really calm and help this child go to sleep. And I really feel that God was like, you are the baby, and I am this constant, safe caregiver. And as you rest in me, you can experience this joy from me that you're, you're getting from me because you don't have it. You're vulnerable and sleep-deprived and hungry, but I am this constant, safe, secure caregiver, and as you can rest in me, you will be able to feel that. And so I think that's... That's a, a, one of the many messages for us, is to know who God is and to rest in him. And then we can experience these things that don't make sense otherwise. To experience hope in this world that we live in, it does, it, there is not a lot of reason for hope. To be able to experience peace and live out love, we can't do that without the power of God. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit, which means that it has to come from the power of the Holy Spirit. In ourselves, having joy in this current world is ridiculous. It does not make sense. But because of who Jesus is, because of the promise that this is not the end, that God will be in us and with us in this pain, I think that allows us to have the supernatural joy. There was an email, email thread going back and forth this week with those of us that are participating in service this morning. Um, and Elliot shared with us Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And we're going to kind of wrap up with this verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And in this email thread back and forth, we were talking about this connection between this verse and this cloud of witnesses and joy. And I think that there is a strong connection between us experiencing joy and knowing that there's this cloud of witnesses from biblical times to now that have gone before us, living hard, painful, faithful lives and experiencing that joy. And in, in God, in Jesus himself, for that joy that was set before him, he had that endurance. And we don't just need the cloud of witnesses going before us to remind us, but we need the cloud of witnesses around us. We need people to be walking with us, to remind us, to encourage us, to provide the joy for us when we are struggling. It's great to have people like my friend that can be joyful when we're not, and then that we can hopefully switch for each other. 
but we know that God is with us and that our current experiences are not the end of the story. As we wrap up today, I want us to take a few minutes and to reflect on uh, what circumstances we're in right now that we need the Holy Spirit's help to find joy in the midst of. And then I also want us to ask God to remind us of what in the past can allow us to have joy because we remember. And so Matt's going to come around and pass out a little card for you. I'm old school. I think writing stuff down is really helpful. Um, if you don't want to, draw a picture or you know, use it as a bookmark. But I want us to take a few minutes and to reflect, where can we find joy in the midst of and how can we find joy because of what God has done for us? So as Matt's passing these around, um, I'm going to pray for us. And then we'll have just a few minutes for you to reflect um, before Elliot comes up. So please uh, join me in prayer as you start. And there are some pens in the back, too, if you need something to write with. Um, God, I thank you that you are God with us that you came to give us what we cannot have on our own in the circumstances of life, that you entered into a world to experience pain and suffering. Um, from the very beginning, that was your experience. And you, going before us, have given us an example and have given us the strength that we need uh, to face the truly difficult things with joy. And so I pray that we would not try to be joyful on our own, but that we would rest in your presence, that we would experience the deep, steadfast love and hope that you give, and through that be, ex be able to experience joy that can only come from you. I pray that you would bring to mind right now um, places that we need to be honest with you about where it's hard to have joy, and that you would also bring to mind times where you have been faithful in the past, that we would be able to bring those things to our minds to give us joy and hope in the midst of suffering and pain. We pray these things, Jesus. Amen.